Welcome to today's episode of the Walking With You podcast. I'm your host, Dina Adams. And today I have an incredible guest, very humble. And Joseph Varghis is going to be sharing his story of overcoming with you. And I really hope that you will get this sense that I get from him, which is everything is about being able to grow yourself and others forward with love and kindness and compassion. So Joseph, thank you so much for being with us today. Pleasure to be here, Dina. Great, grateful to be here. I'd like for you to share who you are, what you do, and who you serve in your business, and then we'll jump into your story. Absolutely, yes. I'm based in New York City. I'm, first of all, I'm a husband. I'm a father of two. Um, I'm a little older. I started having, having family like later in life, my 40s. And my children are the best blessings to me, ultimate blessings to me. I'm an entrepreneur. I have been an entrepreneur for over 20 years now. I have to learn how to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know how to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't raised by entrepreneurs. My dad was an engineer. My mom was uh, a nurse. Uh, they both came to the, the, this country, Canada, then the U.S., um, back in the 1960s and early 70s. And um, I consider myself that I won the lottery, really, like being born in the States having two amazing parents. Um, certainly there were some struggles along the way. I'll get into some of that soon as it relates to health. Um, but what I do these days is I cater to entrepreneurs. I help entrepreneurs get better each day. You know, the 1% progress each day adds up a lot. And I help people really tap, tap into being heard, being listened to, being connected, um, breaking in isolation. We all deserve to have connection. I really, I really believe that everything we have, every dream we have is a conversation. And it's very useful to connect and engage and share that conversation, share our dreams, our mission in life in a way that forwards people's dreams and forwards each other. I love that. There's, there's this calmingness to your voice that every time I hear you talk, I'm like, I can just, you know, dial it down a little and, and <laughs> there's Thank this people that you talk to and they're like, you're like, oh my gosh, okay, there's so much energy and you try to keep up with that. And when I talk with you and I'm in meetings with you and on calls with you, it's like, oh, okay, there's this soothingness that comes out of your tone of voice that I just absolutely love because sometimes it's challenging depending on our personalities, depending on what um, impacts us on the type of person we align with. And, and how we show up. And you were mentioning earlier today in a call that we were on, you said, um, and I, as soon as I started to say it, I lost it. Um, what was it that you mentioned? Oh, that in that call, you could be a little less professional, I guess. Yeah, yeah a more laid back. Yes, yes, yes. And I think it's so interesting how we choose how we show up differently based on the environment that we're in. And someone had told me one time, either you're influenced by the environment or the environment is influenced by you. I love it. And I was like, oh, so when you said that today, I was like, oh, that's a, that's something that I need to remember because I am that, I adapt to everything around me. Right. And so I know different parts of my personality come out a little differently based on the guests that I have because of their energy and the way they do things. And. And so I was really excited to have you on just, okay, 
I'm just myself, but he's just his stuff. We're just good. We don't have to worry about all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like keeping it light. And I, yeah. that's an important thing as well also, so we can be expressed and open. And I do believe where we put ourselves in certain environments and based on the people in those environments, they expect us to be better or a way we used to be in life. Mm-hmm. But 20 some years ago, I started an um, event company and uh, we threw fundraisers for different charities in New York City. At these events, I would have family and friends and college mates and other entrepreneurs. And I found I was very, a bit different with each person I would connect with based on how they saw me, how they knew me as a child in college and yeah. high school, um, in business. And it was just fascinating, like how the idea of that kind of, as you mentioned before, when we're in certain environments, we feel like very open and connected and so forth and others we may not be. And how there might be an opportunity to, 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 to really kind of shift our peer group in a way that we're invited and inspired to be better. You know, and I'm all about being better each day. I'm a big, that's a big yeah. part of my life. You talked about growing one person every day. And, and I want to share an example of how that, some, that mindset for me impacts, has impacted me is I have a way I show up when it comes to family based on past trauma. The problem was I took that trauma. And then as I realized later that as our kids hit certain ages, or there were certain milestones, it would trigger things for me. I started acting that way with our kids. I didn't realize it till it was so late in life. And it was only because adopting that that, um, thought process that I just want to be better today than I was yesterday. And just be better today than I was yesterday. And just keep doing my best to be my best every day made me realize that I haven't always been that way. Because I think sometimes we lie to ourselves that we've always been that way. You know, and it, it wasn't. It was something I just didn't do until much, much later. And I think it's such a powerful um, thought to adopt is to be better one, that 1% every day. Yeah, I think it's, it's simple. I way of looking at life. It's never perfect, but even for just slightly better each day, each week, eventually that adds up, that compounds. And to your point regarding kids, it's easy to be a certain way. Part of, you know, all about generational impact mm-hmm. and just ensuring that my kids aren't repeating mistakes that perhaps I made or their grandparents made and so forth, that they have a fresh start. They have full options, full access to who they want to be in life. And of course, I'm there as a mentor, as a guide. Um, but it's it's easy to bring a lot of like our stuff onto the table in a way that affects their behavior and just has them see life being different. And um, my mom had a heart transplant 26 years ago. When I was a kid, she had challenges. She'd faint a lot when I would come from school. Mm-hmm. And I believe in some way, some form, and I'll talk, I can talk about this in depth, is that um, generationally, of course, there's a, there's a genetic component of that, right? And somehow I got, I had the same condition she had. And I was able to make choices in my 20s when I found out I had this condition called cardiomyopathy to reverse it. Basically take, make steps each day. And I'm often curious, is this true? Was it truly genetic or was it by choice that this happened to myself at a young age that I received that? Or as you mentioned before, um, sometimes the traumas we experience as, 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 as children can affect mm-hmm. us and 
I do believe physiologically we can affect ourselves. They can affect ourselves as well also. Um, just some, some, some thoughts I've had over the years because I no longer have a heart condition. I've erased it. I've basically done the work on my health to reverse it. But there are a number of other things I've reversed too over the years. Playing on that principle, 1% progress over time adds up quite a bit. It does add up a lot. And so so let's go back to that a, a bit because this is this is a huge part of your story of overcoming. And I think it's so important for people to recognize that everyone goes through stuff. No one is immune. It doesn't matter who you're, what family you're born into, where you're born, any of that. Everyone's got issues, got, has something that they have to overcome at some point in life. And so would you talk to us a little bit about when you found out you have this condition, what it was for you that maybe that internal dialogue or what happened that made you be like, okay, I don't want to end up like that. And so now I have to do this and kind of walk us through what that was like for you. Absolutely. So I was uh, a, a senior in college and I was taking an engineering. My dad was an engineer. I kind of followed his path being an engineer too as well. And my mom, she's in the hospital. She's basically there for three months and they're working toward getting her transplant. She's six years old at the time. And because she was fairly healthy, she was a candidate for this. And while she was waiting for this transplant, like they initially put a pacemaker in her head, it failed. I was experiencing palpitations myself. And I would, be, I, I would be in Hoboken where I was living at the time as a college student, and I'd be feeling these strong sensations like I was having a heart attack, and I didn't know what was going on. And it just so happened that I was taking a medication that one of the side effects was that it would cause these palpitations to happen. And that was a blessing. It was really, truly a blessing because her doctors at that point diagnosed her with the same condition she had. They, and I worked with her doctors for the next seven years. My mom had a successful heart transplant. Most transplant patients live about 13, 10 to 13 years. She's gone to 26 plus years, 27 years now. Really, really amazing. Um, I, I, I guess I grew up, I'm from a culture from South India where heart disease and cholesterol and, you know, the, the body based on where we come from, whatever it is, people suffer from heart disease. It's, it's a big fact. My dad had a, had a stroke soon after my mom had her transplant. Within a few years after that, he passed away in 2004. So I grew up with this. And at a young age, I made a decision that I would be healthy. I would make the healthy choices. So I went through life. You could say kind of, if you want to be an athlete. Part of the reason, so fast forward, I mentioned to you before that um, she had a transplant and now uh, had palpitations. It's, things started making a lot of sense around that point because... When I was in high school and college, I started, I always had these fainting spells where every time I'd get up to talk to people, to have a conversation, to get up in front of class, I would fall backwards and people around me were like, what's going on with him? Why is he doing that? Um, I was a bit embarrassed by it at the time in high school and college, but later on, it all made sense that the fainting spells I had in high school and college. Those were experiences my mom had as when I was in, when I was younger, where she'd faint and she'd pass out and she's in hospital for days at a time. Um, what it became very clear out of all of this, they put pieces together. So I had the same heart condition she had, and um, 
I made, made a commitment that I would, I would shift it. When I was in high school and college, I learned how to be an athlete. I realized the more I ran, the more I moved my body, the, these fainting sensations would disappear, particularly because my body was in aerobic shape. My heart was in aerobic health, good heart, good aerobic health. So I've trained myself to be an athlete. So I'm grateful for that because I really do feel that, you know, getting health managed is a really key thing being an American. It's so important to get that managed. A lot of, a lot of Americans are at are in poor health. At a young age, I made it a decision that I would be in good health and it was out of more of a need. But fast forward to when she had a transplant and when I was diagnosed with that condition, I just took it on myself to, well, let me, I don't want to be a victim around this. I'm going to make choices that'll, that'll give me more options. We're in 40 years, hopefully I won't need a transplant, which what the doctor said that I might. Um, unfortunately, within about a decade, I was able to reverse it completely. There's no sign that I have this condition whatsoever. Um, and I'm grateful, grateful to the doctors and grateful to the choices. I made a lot of choices too around, around this point, even being around people who were very knowledgeable in this area around prevention, kind of holistically minded, um, managing stress levels and all of that really helped a lot. And go back to compound growth, 1% progress adds up a lot. People underestimate, people, people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do in a decade. In a decade, I was able to reverse the condition that I was told was completely degenerative. And I, I proved that the naysayers, the doctors, that, that it could be reversed. And um, I'm here with two young kids to, you know, to live life now w without having anything of that sort stop anymore. Oh, that's such an incredible story. I, I want to ask you when you, because I know people talk about this a lot, but you have all these people saying, this is your path. This is it. There's many people that that stops them in their tracks, right? It, it, they're not, there's some people that they're like, okay, this is it. And they accept it as is. There's some people that go, okay, I understand that. And I still want to try and navigate this space to just continue to improve in some fashion. And then there's people that say, I'm not going to accept that. And I'm going to do everything I can to change that. So can you tell us a little bit about that thought process for you and what it was inside of you that was like, I'm not accepting this. I'm going, I, I want to prevent this from happening and I believe I can reverse this. Like, what was that like for you to go from, hey, this is all you're going to get to, I'm not, I'm not accepting that and I'm going to do something different. So uh, I, I did, I did be honest, I did wallow at it for a little bit of time. And yeah. there's a part, there's part of my life where I, where I basically said, okay, well, if this is going to happen, I'm going to take some risks in life and do things that scare me. And, and I did, I basically made some career shifts for myself that had me think very differently. I was doing things that I was not doing before, studying improv, performance, I basically left the corporate world where I was worked for about five different Fortune 100 companies to now doing some uncanny thing, things post 9-11 where it got very exploratory in life. And part of it is like, well, what do I have to lose? Right? Like life mm -hmm. is short, right? I've seen my parents get sick and deal what they did. Life is short. Let me, let me explore, let me explore opportunities, avenues, because life is short, you know, I, there's no promise for tomorrow. So I, um, this probably a phase of that where I was a bit of a victim too as well. 
I mean, 9-11 happened. I lived next to the trade centers. I was a bit of a victim for some time, but not extensively. I think I was able to get myself out of it. And part of it was just a matter of being in the right peer groups. I went to a church community. So I was part of a community of people who were just very strong-minded, positive-minded, having faith. I come from a family, my dad's side, especially, um, they meet for the longest time. They're meeting monthly. They're very supportive, encouraging, um, very faith-oriented too as well. So I had those people around my life too. So I found proximity to people had me get out of my own funk and had me stop being a victim and really be a being cause in life. And I believe in life we can either be a cause or, or be a victim cause versus effect, right? Be, 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 be an effect or be a cause. When we're a cause, magical things happen because we're able to, 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 to do the research, to show up, be around people who propel us forward, make better choices. Those choices add up over time. We can do a lot over the course of a decade. When we're an effect, um, we're living in nostalgia, worrying about the past, comparing ourselves to others, maybe hating ourselves, not being able to look in the mirror. I've gone through those phases. I've gone through both, both sides of that. It was just a lot more fun and productive to be on the side where I'm at, in, at cause. It's a lot more fun being on that side because I'm rising and the people around me are rising too as well. And what comes to mind as far as, as far as that goes, I think we all deal with challenges. We all have breakdowns. I almost went bankrupt at one point in my life. Um, sometimes people have to hit rock bottom. It's a whole big, big part of the whole Twopster program is hitting rock bottom before they awaken up. For me, I just had enough feedback around me from people who I loved, who inspired me and pushed me to, to get out of my own way, remind me how great I was. Part of what I do in my business with success circles is just that I build accountability structures where people remind each other how great they are, where there's no choice other than to rise up each day, every morning, win the morning, win the day. Um, so I, I, I started building frameworks at a young age, started building frameworks 20 some years ago to help people rise. I think, probably it's, I think my dad, at some point as a, as a child, he, one gift he gave me is he encouraged me the idea that anything you want to live into in life or have in life, you have to find a way to give it away. Right. So, or, or teach others, the more we teach others, it becomes, we can become better at it. So having had that gift, right, that, that nugget of wisdom at a young age helped me make better choices post-college, adulthood, when sometimes life um, sent me a barrel of onions. Hey, no. That's what comes to mind. I think it's, it's important that people hear a couple points that you mentioned. And I can only hear the negative thoughts in their head and only because this is something I used to say to myself back in the day when I would listen to things like this. You say, I had family around. I got into community. I surrounded myself with the people that were positive thinking and it felt pull me out of. And what I immediately hear is, I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have anyone that supports me. I don't have people around me. I don't have any of that. When people don't have that in their family or in their current environment, what would you suggest they do to help them 
find that kind of a community to help them continue shifting forward. Well, if we're born in the U.S. or Canada or even South America for that matter, I think I really get to consider we've all won the lottery. That's one thing we have to come to realize. And some people, we that may not be an immediate point of access for everyone because of the situation and environment we live in and so forth. Each person mm -hmm. lives in. Um, what I'd say is that there's always an opportunity to make choices that are in alignment of our environment, creating a better environment. I believe that environment is stronger than willpower. There's a famous quote that aligns with that. There are books out there called willpower doesn't work. It's about shifting an environment, creating a pure group. Those people are available, whether it's a meetup group, whether it's tapping into a, a portal, a forum online, or, or there you have got great people being part of a mastermind. You and I are part of a mastermind that meets once a week, as an example. It's finding whatever way possible to access those people. But I think a big part of it is this neck with the pain. It is useful to realize like the pain because if we sink in this pain for too much time, like, you know, um, things will atrophy and things can get worse if we keep going down that path being around the people who may not support us and empower us. It's, it's important. And for me, that came out of journaling. Before I even started creating these peer groups, I started journaling each day and sort of, sort of realizing that, well, if things go down this path in 10, 20 years, I might not have much, you know, I might not, I not have much to show for this. There may be no legacy and, you know, I'll be st stuck watching Netflix for the rest of my life and not really making much progress, which a lot of people do. They yeah. kind of, they can see the environment. Um, I think it's also useful to realize about 20 some years ago, I studied hypnosis. You mentioned before, uh, my voice is very calming, right? Well, what, when I left the, comp the corporate world, a lot of people gave me that feedback. I started exploring that path. So I studied hypnosis. I got certified hypnosis, NLP, timeline therapy, a bunch of cool things that at the time, particularly because people told me that we, my voice was so resonant that I sh it would be easy to like and learn those things. But one thing I learned around that is that we're all being hypnotized in life. And it, if you see something seven or eight times, you're like, if you have some inclination toward buying that diet Pepsi or going to the store, if you see it that many times over the course of a few hours or a day, we get hypnotized to do that. And it's just realizing that we can be hypnotized by the media, by watching Netflix shows, product placements, walking outdoors, or by people in our environment, our those naysayers, we can hypnotize those people, or we can choose to hypnotize ourselves toward creating a feature that excites us, where we're able to create more impact in the world. We're able to do better things, serve people, serve our children, generational wealth, generational impact. So I'm choosing to hypnotize myself. That's a choice that, that I've made. And what I offer the audience here is to realize that we're all being hypnotized at all points. And it's just our choice whether to break out of that daze or and um or, or to stay in it. Like the whole idea of the Matrix, the movie that came out in '99, the red pill or the blue pill. We can take one pill and you know and watch Netflix and hang out and and go to fast food restaurants and be around naysayers and that could be a comfortable place to be for some people and you know. It's, no judgment, but if that's someone where someone wants to be, then it's fine. I could have been them, that, that path too as well. Or we could go through life with a position where we're creating impact, minimizing our footprint on this planet, adding value. And that's where I choose to be.
Before we continue on today's conversation, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors who make this podcast possible. Janine Bolin is the authorpreneur's expert when it comes to planned profitability. Before you launch your book, chat with Janine about the next steps you will need to take so that you don't go into debt while publishing and promoting your book. She is the author of 12 books and an online course creator of over 91 programs, broadcaster on 64 public radio stations, and promoting episodes on over 112 internet platforms. Janine sells mistakes. It is cheaper to learn from someone else's mistakes than to make them yourself. So pop by her open Friday coffee sessions on Zoom by registering on her website, authorpodcasting.com. And now back to our conversation. I, I think when we realize that that we have choice in all of this, we can be cause in the matter of our lives, cause in the matter of really making progress. Knowing that as we do that, when we're cause, lots of opportunity will come our way. The, up, the upside of that is much bigger than the upside of doing the, the other course, right? And um, a lot of that is just simply being in proximity to other people that are around us, making choices. The internet's a great, it's a useful thing because there are people that we can access. But at the same time, the internet can be a dangerous thing with social media because people can grow up in the midst of that and start comparing themselves to the outside world and get stuck in comparison versus actually producing, being an executive producer of our lives, the, the, they become executive consumers or consuming things versus producing things. I'd rather, I'd rather produce things than consume things. That's my choice. And everyone has choice in the matter. I think you bring up a good point too, with the choice piece or, you know, the red pill, blue pill kind of thing. And I think of it kind of like living on cruise control. We, we get in a car and we start driving and we don't know how we got where we went but we know that's where we're supposed to go. And we don't remember half the drive. And there's, um, I don't remember who it was, but they were saying it's actually because you're falling into some type of hypnotic state because it's so routine. Your brain doesn't even have to think about it. So it checks out and goes on its own little dream world, you know, <laughs> which is a little scary to think about. Or, you know, we get in a car to go somewhere and part of the trip is going towards somewhere we go often and so instead of at a certain point turning off somewhere else we naturally go this way oh dang it i'm not going there you have to turn around and go back and it it's it's that self-awareness yes that we tend to avoid because we don't want to get into the depth of it right we like to just stay on the surface and not really deal with our stuff and it's easier to point out everybody else and be very externally aware and what i found working with my clients over the years is when it does come to oh i know this is my problem and and because i work with entrepreneurs all their problems are business problems that's what they think right they come to me and they're like this is the problem i'm having and we get into the conversation and it's like that's an internal issue and when you hit that nerve, when you touch on something that they have buried so deep or they've chosen to not acknowledge, they will do one of two things. They will go all in and they'll be willing to work with you and dig into all of that so that they can move themselves and their business forward or they're out. And I think it's the same thing in our everyday life. We're going through all the things. And as soon as someone or something hits a nerve, we lash out, we get angry, we have all these things. And then we'll go, 
oh, I guess I could handle that so much better. But it's because we haven't practiced self-control. Yes. Right? We haven't practiced and made ourselves grab shed of those emotions and stop doing that, that we don't realize how we're actually also doing it in business. And so how we overcome, this is my personal perspective, how we work towards overcoming challenges in our everyday life is how we will work towards overcoming challenges in business. And people will say, oh, but I do so much better in this area than I do this area overcoming. Yeah. Because like I overcome things in business way easier than I overcome things in my personal life because it's so much deeper. (laughs) But if I really connect with the issue in business and realize where that root is coming from, if I'm not growing in my, in my life, in myself, I'm not, I'm going to debilitate the growth of my business as well. Very well said, Dina. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything's holistic, like a connection connected to what you mentioned driving a car there's a, a spoke on that car four wheels and and there's that whole metaphor of each spoke of the wheel connects with a different area of life one area of life is falling short it affects everything else it's often useful as you mentioned you got to dig deep where where what the issue is what the core issue is it often shows up in other areas of life too as well and um it's particularly our clients and um what it takes to scale a business it could be with our families, the, our children. Um, like life is, re- life is a reflection of our perception of how we see ourselves or how we see what's possible. The whole idea of a, a ceiling over ourselves. Is it a glass ceiling? Is it a real ceiling? Is there no ceiling? What would happen if we took the lid off? Mm, that's a really good question. That'll give people a lot to think about. So I want to ask you, when it comes to business, because you said you haven't always been an entrepreneur, you had to learn how to be an entrepreneur, and you worked with these Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. What are some of the things around overcoming your heart condition and shifting your life into recovering from what they said was going to be the end-all, be-all of your life? What are some of the things you learned about yourself in that scenario that helped and supported you in shifting into this entrepreneurial space and growing your businesses the way you have? Great question. Great, great, great question. I often don't think about this often because I, particularly because I'm, I, I don't identify myself anymore as somebody with a heart condition. Mm-hmm. I've, 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 over, I've, I've achieved that, but you've overcome that. I've overcome, yeah. overcome it. <laughs> overcome that. And there are a few things I embrace. So, on my journey towards like being healthier, I mentioned before when I was high school and college, I had these fainting spells. I learned how to be an athlete. I treat my, my clients as all being athletes. We're all athletes just playing field of life. In my business, we have huddles. Huddles are one-on-one. Every sporting event has a huddle at the start of the game. Strategize to win, reflect on the previous game, get feedback. How can I be better today? So I, I really do bring that game philosophy into everything I do these days because I believe that when we embrace life as being a game or a, a dance, whether it be a sport or a dance, as we hit the pillow, as I hit the pillow at nighttime with my wife or my son, my four-year-old son next to me, the game is over and a new game is about to begin. And that, that breakthrough thinking has allowed me to really create progress faster than I ever had before. I only realized this maybe like seven, eight years ago, the depth of 
gamification. Our tagline for Success Circle in business is, is dare to play a bigger game, realizing that every day is a game or a dance and we can play a bigger game if we choose to. With my heart condition, when I was able to prove to myself, so I was seeing my mom's cardiologist, Dr. Alan Gass, he was my cardiologist for seven years. At some point in 2002, after I ran the marathon, my first marathon, when they did exercise stress tests on me, they basically told me that what I was doing seemed impossible because the results show that the, my left ventricle was pumping more effectively, was smaller in size, ejection fracture, all these things that were going into it. That's all I needed to know. After that point, I basically took it on myself to keep following the protocol and not seeing a cardiologist, but following a protocol myself, knowing that I was getting better. And then over about seven years, my wife, who's a physician, and I saw that same doctor, he showcased that I'd completely eradicated that condition and no longer had any symptoms about the condition or, you know, my, my heart was functioning fully. This always points to me that having small wins over time adds up. For me, one of those wins is running a marathon, running a smaller race before that. All those wins added up to taking green, green tea, how, how I felt. And eventually, you know, I, I cured a number of things with that. Not only was it the heart condition, but I also cured myself with allergies, all these other things started improving. But I believe in business, things operate the same way as well. Also, if we're willing to measure these small wins in success circles, the community I lead, we were all about celebrating wins. We have multiple calls throughout the week. We call them bragging calls, or we call them uh, a weekend celebration call. We review, reflect on the week. It's, it's, it's very valuable, very valuable to celebrate progress. And that's something that really was helpful for me in my journey of my heart condition and, and everything else I've learned how to if I, I do over time, learning how to swim, uh, being a better speaker, getting better to stutter, a multitude of things that I did over time. And business runs the same way as well also, but getting the right feedback is very useful, particularly people who, who, who see you as better, who expect to be, be better. There's this idea that we rise to the quality of expectations of our peer group before you and I talk about our environment, like walking into an environment and being a certain way with certain people. So I, in, in business, what's helped me scale to another level is being around people who scare me, who are playing at a level where they're doing seven, eight figures a year where they expect me to be, be, be better and bigger. I had a meeting with a colleague of mine. This probably does about eight figures in his business for lunch several weeks ago. And at that meeting, he had a bit of disappointment in me with the numbers that I had in my business. And it was in that disappointment that I was focusing afterwards for a short amount of time that had me step up in a lot of ways, because he expected me to be, 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 be better and bigger than I thought I was. And that's what I've done. I think that's one of the greatest hacks in life, ways of doing things, growing, that's the mastermind principle, proximity is power, continually being with people who invite us to be, 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 be better, um, where we feel a little scared at times. And it's not that difficult. And it's, it's you know, with the virtual world, there's access to that as well also. But it's also a matter of measuring. There's this law called Pearson's law. That which is measured consistently grows exponentially. So I believe if we measure, willing to measure the things that matter to ourselves in our lives, those things will grow. After this meeting, I'm meeting with my project manager as an agile coach. We go through KPIs. We go through critical drivers. This things that align with my business. Meeting with him once a week 
gives me a chance to measure that. And if I didn't, then I might get comfortable or I might just forget what the bigger vision is, what the bigger why is. He holds me accountable to measure those things um, in a fun way too as well. The last thing I'll say around this is play is a really integral part of making all of this sustainable. Whether mm-hmm. you see each day as being a dance or a game, because it's a game or a dance, the more we play, right? The more enjoyment we have, you know, like the call you and I were before, it's a call where a bunch of us as entrepreneurs get to play together. And it's a very cool thing. Um, I'm all about bringing as much play into every conversation as much as possible, because the more I'm enjoying the process, enjoying the journey, enjoying the connections, um, enjoying time with my family, they're enjoying as well. Also, we're more playing more together and it makes the hustle, the hard work, all that more sustainable, getting to whatever goal, whatever dream we have for ourselves. I think that's amazing. I could just sit and listen to you talk all day long. I'm like, you know, when, when someone's talking and you lean in like that, I mean, I do it with most people because I'm, I'm like a sponge all the time. And I think if you, if you, if you're listening and you find yourself really leaning in, tuning everything out, the distractions no longer are really distractions because you're ignoring everything. And this is in alignment with you. Yeah, all of Joseph's information will be below the YouTube or the podcast, whatever, so you can get connected with him. Um, but I want to ask you one last question, because one of the things that I'm hearing from you as you're talking about the marathon and the changes that you made and over time you did this, I think people tend to misunderstand commitment and consistency. And they hear consistency and think, oh my gosh, I have to do this exactly like this other person, or I have to do this so much when consistency can be three times a week for 10 minutes. Consistency can be five times a week for an hour, depending on what that looks like for you with your goals and how fast you want to go. And so I just want to point that out before I ask this this other question, because that can be scary to people. So I want to talk about what you are meaning when you, you you get in proximity with people that scare you. First of all, Hearing you talk about training for this marathon and changing all these things, I'm like, yep, I'm out. I'm not a, <laughs> right? I'm not a marathon person. I used to run track and I ran the two miles and, you know, they never knew if I was ever going to make it to the end. <laughs> but when you talk about one, commitment and consistency are very important in overcoming anything it's not where you can just do something one time or five times and everything's going to change you have to truly commit to taking the actions consistently in order to get the results over time and in order to do that i think doing things that scare us are important because if we're always staying inside of our comfort zone we're never going to be able to do that but you talked about something that it has recently been brought up for me in, in my own quiet time and journaling was being in proximity to people that scare you. And a lot of times I think people will invest in coaches and other people to lead them who are so far beyond where they are that it's not even scary. It's terrifying. And then they get into it and they're they're trying to do and keep up and and do the things that these other people are saying. 
and then they're out because it's so far beyond where they are. So maybe help people understand like what that means, being around people that scare you because it pushes you and they're beyond where you are versus, you know, you want to be around people who are a few steps ahead of you, five, 10 steps ahead of you, but you don't want to be around people who are 15, 20, 30 steps ahead of you trying to drag, you know, put you into that space when you're not ready for that and not being ready for that is not a bad thing. You're just, you just have to go through these steps too. And so can you share a little bit with us about, I got to stop moving. My camera does this, does this, this thing, you it's know, around, yes. right. That out of the podcast, I'll stay on YouTube, but um, talk to us a little bit about what means to surround yourself with people that scare you and maybe push you a little bit without overextend, like without committing to being in a circle of people who it's so far beyond you. And how do you recognize the the difference? Yeah, great question. I think there are different levels to where people are at as far as how how quickly they want to grow. I'm at a place now where I'm putting myself in, around people who kind of show up a bit differently. And it's, I have my, my pod, podcast, rulesforsuccess.com. We interview people all the time, playing at a pretty advanced level. And yet, when it comes to having authentic, real conversations with a lot of depth, kind of like we're having here, engaging with someone a step or two ahead of, ahead of ourselves would be the better path. What I do business-wise, we, we do this peer-to-peer accountability program. We match people together. The people we match together typically are on the same playing field. We're both athletes and playing the same playing field. Like, I use that metaphor a lot. For me, that metaphor allows me to live. I mentioned before that I have to be an athlete to eradicate this condition I had. So I use an athlete quite often. But basically, oh. the idea is that we get on the court. You're playing with somebody else. who's a county partner, a peer coach on a level that's a step or two ahead of us. We're able to model their strategies. There's a bit of humanity that's there too, because we get to hear their challenges, how they deal with crises, challenges themselves. And we get to model those strategies too as well. So I think it's important not to put ourselves in positions where we're with, with somebody who's level, levels way, really way beyond us. I don't recommend that if someone's starting out. To find, be at a place where we can be, we can model strategies and be with people who who can inspire us to be, be better and who are willing to kind of help us r- r- rise up. The whole idea, we see these images all the time, people climbing the mountain together, right? And and they're pulling each other up at all points. And then at some point, as you get to a certain level, it might be wise to upgrade that peer group, upgrade the mastermind group to the next level and the next level. And that's something I've done over the years. I've, I haven't had too much fear around upgrading my peer group every couple of years and being around people who encourage me to be even better. And to a point now where I'm around people who kind of scare me once in a while. And I'll interview them too as well also because they're playing at a, at a pretty high level. They don't really scare me much anymore. I kind of see them all as peers at this point. Mm-hmm. Like a, a big part of the human identity is, you know, am I worthy? Am I loved? Am I, am I an imposter? And all these conversations people often have. I have those conversations too for myself too. They ran my life for about for decades. And you get to a certain point when you see that we're all human. We're all connected. We're all the same. We're all made in the image of God. There's no difference between all of this. And just a matter of adopting new strategies, putting ourselves into a new environment, maybe being disrupted each day 
all those things that invite us to be, be, be better. It doesn't have to be that difficult. It's just a matter of journaling, which you mentioned you were doing before, Tina, like this, knowing those things down each day, knowing how we feel, knowing if we are a little better than we were the previous day. And then also getting feedback to people too. Um, one thing I used to do years ago is I would interview people and I basically ask them, you know, and authentically, how would you describe to your friends? Um, what's, what's a strength in me that, that I, I might not see that you won't want to acknowledge? What's a weakness in me? Like being able to have those deep conversations with people where they're being real and authentic. Well, we're not taking that information negatively. We're just seeing it as feedback. Um, and feedback's very useful, right? Without feedback, the world doesn't move forward. It's just useful. People are, I think more people are afraid of feedback than anything else because they're afraid how that feedback will, how that feedback will land for them, their identity. And I truly believe that if we're able to identify ourselves as something bigger and be around people who identify us as even bigger, being bigger and great, even eventually we'll rise to that identity. Um, and there's no choice and there's no choice other than to reshift who we've been around for years. Um, there's just no choice because the, the new people are more in alignment of the identity who are, who are out creating the world. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's always going to be people, especially familial people who have been in your life a long time, who they saw you the way they saw you, they have their perspective. And no matter what you do and how you grow, they're never going to see you any different. And so it's important to remember, yes, where we come from and what we've overcome and the lessons that we've learned along the way. And growing forward, it's important for us to remember that we don't have to fall back into those patterns because other people still see us where we were three, five, 10 years ago. Like we have to choose to free ourselves from that and understand that that's who we used to be. And not only do we want people to see our growth, we have to allow ourselves to see our own growth and accept that as we've grown and, and honor that so that we can keep growing forward because how we see ourselves and if we project how we see ourselves onto others or we let others dictate how they see us and so we act in that way, it really limits so many things in our life. It limits how we can grow. It limits how we can impact others. It limits our beliefs. It limits our growth and our business and our faith and all the things. So I think that's uh, it's so good. Such a great conversation. Absolutely. Thank you. I, I appreciate you sharing your time with us and sharing your story. I It's such a powerful story. And I know there will be many people who get so much out of this. So like I said before, um, if you're interested in getting connected with Joseph, you can find all his information below. Click the link, get connected in whatever way works best for you. Um, And I just, if you align with him and you're like, oh my gosh, I really need what he's offering, you can find all that information in the link as well. And I know he would just love to hear from you. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for for sharing your time with us. I I really do. Like this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you, Dan. I've really enjoyed it.